Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. I'd like to talk a little bit today about macropsychokinesis. It's a topic that I keep referring back to over and over again. It's probably among the most controversial things in the whole field of parapsychology. And of course, observations of macropsychokinetic events go back uh, at least to the 19th century, the era of spiritualism and seances, and many, many different phenomena were reported uh, in the seances, table levitations, rappings, knocks, uh, materializations, <laughs> apports, uh, unusual voices, ectoplasm uh, uh, appearing, spirit forms appearing, uh, spirit photographs, and at the same time, uh, the uh, magicians, <laughs> and I don't mean real magicians, I, I mean stage magicians learned how to simulate these effects, and some of them made a living pretending to be spiritualist mediums, but uh, using magic tricks the whole time. So, the, the field has been intertwined with fraud going back now 150 years or so. And nevertheless, many credible researchers under rather well-controlled conditions uh, reported unusual psychokinetic effects, including people like Alfred Russell Wallace, the co-inventor of the theory of evolution, or should I say co-discoverer of the theory of evolution with Charles Darwin. Now, research into table levitation uh, also occurred in the 1960s and 1970s. In England, a man named Kenneth Batcheldor uh, began working with a group of people to try and simulate some of the uh, events that were reported in the previous century. And he got people together, but he wasn't interested in the spiritual or religious context of a seance. He didn't have anybody go into trance. He didn't have any spirit mediums in the room, but he got a group of people together to sit around a table and see if they could make the table levitate. And he worked very hard to develop a, a table that could be measured scientifically. So, he had uh, switches on all the feet of the table so that if the table raised up from the ground, the switches would be triggered and it would create a recording. He put buzzers on the table. He put uh, luminous strips of paper so, th so that if the table were to uh, lift up in a dark room with just the tiniest amount of light, the luminous uh, strips on the table could be seen and photographed. And uh, he reported success in numerous experiments uh, doing this sort of thing completely separate from the spiritualistic context. And it was based on the work of Batcheldor in England that members of the Toronto Society for Psychical Research in Canada decided to try and emulate the Batcheldor approach with a little twist. Now, one of the things I will say about Batcheldor's work is, is that uh, the seances that he held, and they weren't real seances as I point out, the sessions that he held ran for about two hours with a half-hour break. And typically, what he reported is uh, nothing happened at all for at least 10 minutes. So, 
people had to be willing to be patient and, and to develop a kind of playful attitude. And Batchelder also noticed that people who uh, believed that this was possible, once again, it's the sheep-goat effect that I've talked about earlier, that the belief system of the participants was crucial to getting the phenomena to occur. And once a table started lifting, even one leg started lifting, and people's hands are on top of the table trying to hold it down in effect, and it's lifting in spite of that, when that happens, that creates instantaneously a sense of awe amongst the people in the room, like, wow, it's starting to happen. And that emotion seems to be conducive to even more phenomena. So once it gets started, it tends to uh, increase and you can get a lot of uh, rapping and levitation going. Now, in Toronto, what they decided to do, this is really clever, they created a fictional story like a gothic novel about a ghost named Philip who had lost his love and was pining for her. And they created this story and they all treated the story as if it were true. And they decided to see if they could get a uh, rapping, knocks, one rap for yes, two for no, and answers to their question, and could they conjure up a ghost who never existed, who was simply a fictional creation? And they did. They found that they could hold sessions. Now, again, we call them seances, but they didn't have uh, the solemnity of some of the spiritualist seances. People were not praying. People were not endeavoring to contact their departed loved ones. In fact, what they tried to do in Toronto was very interesting. They tried to recreate what uh, they called sort of the boisterous, jolly side of 19th century spiritualism, where they'd get together, they'd sing songs, they would tell jokes, they would uh, talk about getting drunk. <laughs> and that seemed to be conducive to what they call in the, in the title of the book, in fact, conjuring up Philip, this imaginary ghost who, when they asked questions that they hadn't developed a clear answer to in their fictional account of Philip, the, the raps would be often very soft and indistinct. But when the questions were asked about uh, things that were very definite, already part of the fictional creation, then the raps would be louder and clearer. Now, the intriguing thing is that it's unlikely that there was a real ghost, a real spirit trying to simulate uh, the fictional creation of Philip. It's more likely, I think, that the raps that were produced, the table levitations that were produced, were the result of psychokinesis from the participants in the room. We can't say for sure. <laughs> we can't absolutely rule out the spiritualistic hypothesis, but it calls it into question. It suggests that even in the 19th century uh, seances, uh, even the ectoplasmic materializations, perhaps those weren't real spiritualistic phenomena. Perhaps those were psychokinetic productions. We don't know. 
at this point. <laughs> I have to say, some people are disposed to lean towards a spiritualistic interpretation and others are not, but there's no clear-cut answer as of yet. Either possibility, I think, is very exciting. It's very exciting to think about humans finding ways to cultivate mind over matter, psychokinetic talents. And it's also very exciting to think that it's possible for humans to communicate with uh, spirits, even imaginary spirits. <laughs> the uh, creation of Philip is not so different from the uh, accounts in the writing of a Alexandra David Neal about the Tibetan Tulku, who is created the same way. A fictional story is conjured up about an individual. In, in her account, the uh, person who was being conjured up, actually took on a physical appearance, an apparition that was so tangible that it seemed like a real human being traveling with Alexandra David Neal and her party of uh, Tibetans. Well, what does this mean for you? These are studies, the most recent of, of which I think goes back to the 1970s. It's not as if there's been an ongoing continuation of the Philip group. But I will say this, there, there was uh, some research done by Dr. Joel Witten, as I recall, who did acoustical measurements of the rapping sounds in the table. And normally, if you, if you wrap your fing finger, your knuckle on wood, you, what you'll get is an acoustical measurement. It starts sharply, but it kind of trails off a little bit. However, with these paranormal raps, the acoustical signature was different. It starts abruptly and it ends abruptly. It doesn't trail off the way it would if you hit the table in order to create a rapping sound. That does suggest a, a completely different origin for those raps. It certainly lends credence to the idea of either the spiritualistic or the psychokinetic hypothesis. And in fact, even the spiritualistic hypothesis seems to imply psychokinesis perhaps from a uh, departed, from not from a living entity, but from <laughs> a disembodied entity. You're still talking about psychokinesis. Once again, though, I have to come back to the question, what's in it for you? Are you interested in table levitation and creating rapping sounds? You know what? I doubt it. Very few of you out there are probably interested in replicating that sort of a phenomenon. But knowing that it exists, what are the implications if, if a group of not professional mediums, not professional psychics, but interested people, members of the Toronto Society for Psychical Research can get together in a group and by creating a, a fun-filled, boisterous atmosphere, create legitimate psychokinetic phenomenon. What does that say about you? What does that say about your possibilities? What could you manifest if you so desire? I'll leave you with that thought. Thank you once again so much for being with me.